rights and property rights are considered more important than people, the giant triplets of racism, extreme materialism, and militarism are incapable of being conquered. George Bush doesn't care about black people. They have a Black History Month, but we don't have a White History Month. Well, all we've ever been taught is white history. If it was not for the love and respect shown to me by black women, those right-wing, ultra-conservative, alt-right haters, they would have me believe I'm too black, I'm too confrontational, I'm too tough, and I'm too disrespectful of them. But now, I know I'm simply a strong black woman. We're in a time where corporations are treated like people and people are treated like things. They promote legislation that attacks voting rights, the poor, LGBT citizens, the immigrant community, and civil rights that are lewd, mean-spirited, and fundamentally contrary to what our democracy is supposed to be about. What is bad is not what they are doing. What would be bad is for us not to fight back. Hey ho, let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LP. You are listening to Resistance Radio. We are proudly streaming live on 1230 AM WBOK. For all those that are listening on WBOK, welcome to Resistance Radio. Welcome to WHIV. I'm Mark Allen Derry. With me as always, uh, looking debonair, uh, which is not always the thing, uh, but uh, without question, one of the smartest political minds in the state of Louisiana. I would say in this room, but there's two other smarter political minds than Kenny and myself sitting in this room, and I can't wait to get to both of them in just a second. Uh, but with me, as always, Kenny Francis, Vice President and Founding Member of Indivisible NOLA. Kenny? Happy to be back. Um, Super happy. Yeah. And we have a quick update with our podcast from last week. We yeah. are still working on getting that uh, <laughs> uploaded. Yes. So we had a great session with Miss Gloria Searson, who is the Executive Director show. of COPE. She was really, really great. Spoke, speaking from the heart as not yeah. only as somebody with, I mean, it's really good to talk to people uh, who not only are are the leaders mm-hmm. in uh, hepatitis C and HIV from a social justice perspective, but also folks that actually uh, are of the community mm-hmm. as well, of which she spoke so openly uh, about. I know she appeared uh, on the next night here on WHIV on, on Dorian's show as well. Yeah. And, and it's like... I think for me, I was like very blown away at just like listening to her reflect on like how much things have changed since she was first diagnosed in the early 90s. And like, I know that is a long period of time, but just like listen to her talk about just the change in education and treatment and awareness, um, even like simple things of like how to deal with like your health, your insurance. Right. Um, it's just the, the, her me- fight, her, the fight that she's been fighting for 
20 plus years now is incredible. Think about this. Think about just to kind of, because I hear this regularly. Imagine being told you have a disease process too, of which are both deadly Mm -hmm. and both of which had no treatments or yeah. cures at the time and then think, here you are think about that you know, mindset and then think about the what 25 years ago yeah i mean and she's she was so she had a couple <laughs> years to live 25 years ago it's incredible it's incredible um i know we've got a packed uh yeah. slate of of things to talk about today yeah um so we're yeah. All right. Do you want me to just jump in? Yeah. Super. All right. It's uh, today. Uh, we um, we today we had originally, and we will get to uh, uh, Miss Logan's uh, Miss Logan on from the uh, uh, the Alliance for Affordable Energy, and you probably are well aware of her because she has a show on five o'clock on Tuesdays, uh, and we really wanted to talk with her about all the updates that are happening at the City Council with Energy. But I think uh, given uh, what has happened recently in the uh, last uh, couple. Of, of weeks, um, uh, both with the tragedies that uh, happened in New Zealand and with the amazing responses that we have seen with some of the folks here at WHIV, and I'm speaking specifically about uh, Miss uh, Jenny Yanez, uh, who has the uh, Islam in the Crescent City show at 5 o'clock on Thursdays here at WHIV, and seeing the activism uh, that has occurred uh, from uh, her, uh, specifically as well as the community from which uh, Jenny uh, also speaks. Uh, for uh, as well, we decided to really kind of start the show off uh, specifically to uh, talk about uh, really what it comes down to is uh, what happened in New Zealand and the Islamophobia that we have seen in our culture uh, over the course of the last uh, decade or so that really uh, just seems to be unprecedented. And I think that the conversation that Jenny and I uh, originally had was the amazing response that the Prime Minister of New Zealand had has been displaying model behavior uh, and how New Zealand also responded by uh, uh, by eliminating <laughs> weapons. I mean, that was it. They were like, oh, uh, automatic weapons, they, they harm people. We got to get rid of those immediately. And uh, Australia, of course, did the same thing in the mid-70s. The, the shooter who will remain nameless was from Australia, came down to New Zealand. Um, but uh, uh, as-salamu alaykum, uh, Jenny. Awalaikum as-salam, Dr. Derry. It's such a pleasure uh, to have you. Well, I, I'm at home. I feel like home every time I'm here and around uh, you <laughs> well, guys. Well, you are definitely amongst family here. Yes, I feel it. And I felt it yesterday. Yes, the, maybe um, let's start with that. What, what happened yesterday? Yeah. So uh, yesterday, the Greater New Orleans area got together and gathered. We were in a Jefferson Parish Park, but still, it was Greater New Orleans area was present to memorialize, to remember those lost in the terrorist attacks in New Zealand, in Christchurch, New Zealand, not this Friday, the last Friday, about 10 days ago now. And to not just memorialize them and remember them and their lives, but also to stand together in solidarity against Islamophobia and xenophobia. And Islamophobia and xenophobia come together, as you know. So one thing that we did do was have clergy members give prayers from the Abrahamic faith. So we had Jewish, Christian, and Muslim prayers. So it was an inter, inner, inner faith. Absolutely, inner faith. It has to be because our community yes. is inner faith. Yes. And, and there are people of no faith, and we brought that up as well. Uh, there was, uh, and I apologize for that, the Sikh community is a small community, but it, they do exist. And we are trying to reach out to them. I'm part of three 
interfaith coalitions in the city and we really want them on the table because frequently and so many times they are targeted even yes, when, they are. when the intention is to hurt Muslims right. and then they hurt Sikhs and then sometimes they say oh we're sorry we didn't mean to hurt you we thought you were Muslim so it's <laughs> Jesus Christ how do you even white, unpack that white, where do you white, begin with white, that white supremacy yeah <laughs> the, where do you begin with that but at the same time we realized that there were there were other faiths that weren't represented there and we we did take that into account but there was a wide representation of our community there and it was very it's more than heartwarming because it, it was a chance to not just feel good but in Islam and and our faith, we believe it's through faith and action, through belief and deeds. So it's, it's great to have this feeling that comforts you, to have this connection with your creator, but then it should transform you into a behavior that affects your neighbors. And if that belief sustains you, that's great, but then you're supposed to take that, that's supposed to strengthen you, and now you are supposed to change your society to be a good society. And so one of the things that Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said was that if your neighbor doesn't feel safe from you, you don't get it, right? I'm right. paraphrasing there, <laughs> but you don't get it. Because the way Islam is supposed to, the root word is peace. And it's not just for you. And you're supposed to, and, and Rabbi Silver said something beautiful. She said, we are, we are like lights and we are supposed to shine that light. So it's great if you feel that light inside you, but if you now keep others in the dark, then you're not taking on your responsibility. So I think New Zealand and the Prime Minister of New Zealand really kind of stepped up to the plate, if you will, and, and really showed her light and brightness. And when you put that in comparison to the stark darkness that it seems to prevail over our lawmakers in this country, uh, I, I, I was wondering if you could talk to us a bit about how you feel the representation has been happening on the New Zealand side. So... One of the things that I said, and there's, of course, social media is one way to communicate with each other. It kind of comforts you as well when you hear other people that, you know, sharing similar thoughts. And, of course, it could be, go on the other side <laughs> as, and, and, and be very hurtful. We know that, too. But one of the, th the things that kept coming up, there's a lot of praise for the way that she dealt with this attack. The general sentiment from Muslims and, and around the world, really, is that she has now showed the leadership that is lacking in in the Western world. Yeah. She not only that, but she she received letters of, of praise and thanks from the the leader Imran Khan from Pakistan, right? Um, we're talking about people that America, most Americans don't even know what our relationship is with Pakistan, right? right. They probably fear it a little bit. Sure. Uh, but the idea is that these are very, very powerful voices in the Muslim world. And to have behaved in a way that not just comforted, but that made them feel like this, this is what we were hoping for. Mm -hmm. right? To build these, these ties of, to connect the world to the Muslim world. Thank you for seeing us as human. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing that we have to do that. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's like, for me, reflecting on and watching all of the coverage about it, it's like it, it. what she has done has been, as you said, such a great example. But there's also sort of this sad reality where like what she's done is shown like basic yes. compassion yes. and Thank basic humanity and just like 
seeing a group of people as fellow humans, like regardless of what her personal faith is or isn't or anything. She's just like, no, these people are citizens of the country that I am a leader of and our nation is showing basic humanity to a group of people who have been harmed full stop. And like the whole world is like, Oh my God. Right. Look this at that. This is amazing. Yeah. Look at human humans can actually. Be and so, it, and so, it, like, and so I think that the, it is sort of like a, a pretty sad reflection of where we are specifically as a West, as like Western society that a world leader showed basic compassion and human and humanity. And everyone's like, Right. This is like the best thing we've ever seen. It, it, it is, right? It's amazing, but we recognize it and we have to elevate the voices of those people that are doing what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah, Even absolutely. if it seems Absol- like... Yes. Absolutely. And we, yes. and we don't want to take away the bravery from her either. Absolutely. So within a few days, she banned semi-automatic weapons. And I saw that press conference and it was, it was amazing. Because she basically... There was, there was a question in, in, in the audience in the press conference, probably press, of course, and they asked her... Well, what if you get a waiver, for example? If what if is the government going to give a waiver for some people? She said, "No, you're not going to see that happening. You have so many days, right, it, to, <laughs> yeah. to ban the uh, so yeah. the, so in particular, New Zealand's actually buying back automatic yeah. weapons. Yeah. So the idea is these are going to be banned, and mm-hmm. if you are caught with them mm-hmm. uh, after the whatever the period the is, a couple of weeks, right, yeah. then that will be in violation and of the, the law. And, and to to continue your point, Jenny, I think the other thing is. All of the typical things that you would hear came out. It was like, well, what if there's a waiver? What about how much it's going to cost? And she was like, I don't right. care. Right. I this don't care. makes sense. Right. So we're doing it. Right. You know, and I think yesterday, Jenny and I were talking, we were like, thoughts, prayers, and action. You know, yeah. like it's Imagine amazing. That, right? Thoughts right. and prayers it, it, and action. Right. Absolutely. Imagine what happens when you have thoughts, prayers, and action. Like swift <laughs> common sense and yes. like action that. Right. Well, th- let me just take it back a little bit to those that, that died. And one of the beautiful things that she did was say that she's not going to mention the name yeah. of the terrorist. Yes, which yeah. is a, that's, that's my personal policy, at least here on, on WHAB. Yeah. And, and you have to realize that in the beginning, those videos were going everywhere. Oh, this yeah. guy was really I, Thank horrific. God I did not open it. Yes. Um, yeah. but, and I didn't, even, I didn't even know their existence until people started saying, don't open them. Yeah. Uh, there were a few voices saying, well, then how do we know the truth? And it's like, you, right. you, you don't, yeah, yeah, you don't need to, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, you're going <laughs> right. to see I the mean, funerals being Those are the same folks yeah, who say the same thing. That's happen. right. And it's right, traumatic. Yeah. It or continues. that guns don't kill people. And that's, and that's part of the aim of terrorism, right? Yes. It doesn't just kill the people, uh, in the, the people that it's it killed physically. It's meant to terrorize the people but that yes, are. Right. It's just, yes. it goes all over the world and it, it instills fear. And that's how, right. that's yeah. the real terror, right? So the, she not only paid for the funerals, of everyone, but she visited everyone's home and wearing the hijab, the headscarf. Right. And it, so it, it kind of felt like this is not about me. Mm-hmm. And some people say that's politicizing it. And we didn't feel that way at all. She was <laughs> like, this is, this is how you mourn. This is, this is what seems right in the heart. And this is what's respectful. And right. like you said, this is human. Yeah. Right. She took and five seconds to learn about someone else's five culture. Five seconds. Not only that, she read a hadith. And you know, on, on the show, and thank you for, for, for mentioning No the Matter of Islam on the Crescent City Thursdays at 5. Every show I begin with the Muslim Minute where I share a verse and translation of Quran and a hadith, which is a saying of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And she did that in front of the whole country. She shared the whole world. a hadith. The she whole was world. on a, a global platform. Because if you connect this with Islamophobia, and you have to, 
because the terrorists left behind a manifesto mentioning 45 and his ideology, mm -hmm. which is contrary to Islam, and not only contrary to Islam, actually says that Islam doesn't fit in into the Western world, which right. is this clash of civilization um, kind of mentality that, uh, that we reject. Right. So part of it is that you have to educate people. On, you know, when you are fighting against Islam, what is Islam now? So it's, she did a big part in telling people, you know what you're afraid of, the scarf? I'm going to wear it. <laughs> you know what you're afraid of is the hadith of the prophet? I'm going to say it out loud. Yeah. You know, yeah. the sounds that you don't understand of the Quran, they read the adhan on public radio. Yeah. yeah. On yeah. public radio. She's like, this that you fear, I'm going to put that front and center. Yeah. Because which, you don't need to fear that. Yeah. And then what we should fear we're not going to fear that. We're going we're gonna to deal with that in the courts. We're not going to mention his name. And this is an exception to our country, not the rule. Right. And what's happening is, and I, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that in Escondido, California today, we heard the news that they, put a, uh, 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 they lit a mosque on fire, a blaze, because they were having a vigil, like we did on the park yesterday, recognizing the victims of the New Zealand 51 lost lives. And they lit the mosque on fire. Uh, as a as a warning that don't do this, don't. And do this. That's don't, in California. We, we don't want you to 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 recognize. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I do. I, do wanna, um, I think it's very telling what you just said, um, and I, I know it's like a very like sort of like visceral. The, the California part, or, yeah, or, just like yeah. you said, and that's in California. And right. I think that what you just said there is like really, 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 really underlines in moments like these what I think there's often a huge problem in this country where people think like things like that, where it's like, well, not, it's just like you say, oh, that's in California. That doesn't happen there. Right. Cause that's, that's what the, that's what the that rest was of the, that, that was what I was the rest thinking. of that statement. The rest right. of the statement is like, wow, that happened in California. Right. Or the same way when people hear about things happening in the Northeast, it's like, oh, like this racist thing happened in Boston or right. New York. And it's like, no, it's everywhere. Yeah. 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 This is America. Yeah. It always has been. There's no, the, the, no the nasty yes. and, Absolutely. um, divisive tribalism that right. others people and that and that creates this sort of like enemy right. usually brown folks that pe folks don't understand their cultures that is what america is and has always been which is why we can see like it is it is remarkable and it is amazing and it is an example and it is absolutely something to celebrate and to like show as um a an example of the way that leader that what leadership looks like that what she's doing yes but like what we're talking about is why a basic showing of humanity could be mm -hmm. so starkly showing, like showing to America. Like I think I watched that. Uh, I actually watched that, that press conference while I was like in the gym and it was like on the TV. And I think the thing that stood out to me most about the press conference was like, she finished speaking. They like cut back to the TV anchors in like in the studios and like seeing, I think it was like on CNN and they're like, wow, it's remarkable what's happening in New Zealand. It's like, no, it is not remarkable. It's common well, sense. It, so, I mean, it's what should happen. Right, it's so what real leadership a, looks like. A large, but the bar is so low mm -hmm. because of what we've accepted that, for so long was, in this country yes. that that it would be remarkable that a leader of a country, of an entire country, would show people basic humanity and say, "Our whole country is mourning a." utterly reprehensible attack that should never happen and it should never be allowed to happen again and i as the leader of this country i'm going to take steps to make sure that nothing could like this could ever happen again and that's and our reaction to that was like wow that's remarkable that would never happen in america 
What does that say about us? Well, it says what we've been saying for a long time, that mm-hmm. this is a reprehensible country and this is a reprehensible culture. And everything that, uh, that, that we're talking about here and that Sister Jenny is talking about. Like we have a country where people are literally, people literally deny that Sandy Hook happened and say that it's like a conspiracy by the left. And to then take away been guns. Three suicides that's this a, week. Yeah, you know, because been, of like, those attacks. So like that's, that's like that's a thing. Right. That's a real thing in this country. And we still and we still put guns into people's hands. Jenny, Dr. if I can say yes, yeah, so let's start wrapping things. up. Yeah, One but, thing uh, is that there has been a call and a petition for the Prime Minister Ardern to receive the Nobel Peace Prize, which is uh, I think that it's just a symbol, maybe. Yeah. But I think, I think that's very important. Very important. Yep. And the other thing, there's a very good article uh, by Khalid Beydoun, who who wrote the book American Islamophobia, and it's in Jazeera, and he connects us to xenophobic populism around the world. So that is an article that I do recommend. It's very, it's not very long, it's very short, and he says, today I'm a New Zealander. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to say, Kenny. I'll, I'll just let you f- have the last words. There's so much to say, Jenny. I, I wish so we could have you on for the hour, obviously. No, 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 thank obviously. you so much for recognizing this as a very yeah, important Yeah, and I have to say, uh, thank, thank you. you so much for being part of the WHIV family. Uh, I, I first interviewed Jenny in early I can't in 2014 in late 2014 and uh, I was like you need to have a show and I and and, and of, of all the decisions that I've made in my life putting you on WHIV and having you represent our radio station has been one of the best decisions I've ever made so thank you so much for the work that you do and and what you bring not only to our community but what you bring to the community that you that you represent so thank you so much Kenny I'll let you finish um, off I just two things um one, I want to say that in regards to this attack, the last something like something like the last 40 terrorist attacks that have happened. Every terrorist have, attack in 2018 ha- has happened by, by, white, by supremacist. white supremacists. Mm-hmm. And so at some point as a country, we need to start to address the national emergency that actually exists. That is white supremacy. At some point, we have to start addressing mm-hmm. that. And the last thing I want to say is thank you so much for coming on, Jenny. <laughs> if, if you... Um, if you're out there listening and you've never somehow never heard of Jenny before, yeah, um, wake, wake up. Wait, first of all, wake, <laughs> wake up. up. Second of all, you should absolutely listen to her show on Thursday. I actually listen at, as often as I can. Um, I think that you do such an utterly amazing job of teaching. Like that's that's the best way I can put it. Of like teaching and like so, and it comes across in like even the comments you've made here, where so much of hate and ignorance in the world comes from just simply not understanding and seeing each other as like a, as a human, just because like you're different. And I think what you do an amazing job of in your show is for lack of a better way to put it is to make Islam accessible to folks who might be scared of it. Like, uh, and I think that that, I think what you do is amazing. And I think, and I'm like so thankful that you're part of the station that you do that your show. And I encourage any and everyone to listen to your show, which is on Thursdays at five Thursdays yes, at five. No matters. The, I, I'm not deserving of all these beautiful words, but sure. they're going to strengthen me. And um, I just, this is my family. You Thank guys you. are my family. Thank you, Jenny. Anything that we can do moving forward, please let us know. We're going to be back in 30 seconds uh, with Logan Burke. Uh, with Logan Burke to. Um, yeah. I'm just. No, I was just asking you what you're playing. Yeah. Oh, this is Public Enemy. <laughs> This is, uh, it's, I can't, I can't pronounce it, but it's MF War. Uh, we'll be back in 30 seconds.
and we're back. Um, love public enemy. Um, so now we have Logan Burke joining us um, from the Alliance for Affordable Energy. You got um, that right. Last, Logan joined our show last year, and um, if you're if you're a, a longtime listener of the show, and you're like, wait, I, we, did we talk about this? Yes, we did talk about this, We're and it was still talking and it was equally this. as ridiculous when we talked about it last year. Um, and so what we're going to be diving into and, for the rest of the show is we're going to be talking about, um, basically, first we're going to ask Logan to do sort of a um, an overview of what has happened and how we got here, and then we're going to talk about what currently hap- what's currently happening with the recent city council vote on the, the Mitri power plant, and also there's also a court date coming up, which is actually tomorrow, um, and so with that, I'm going to introduce Logan Burke. She and then is- also, Logan is also the uh, 5 o'clock Oh, show yes. host for Nola Matters. That's right. The, the, the people's family. power hour. The people's power Keeping hour. Keeping it in the, in the family today. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you, Kate. Uh, so, so Logan ahead. is, I believe, the executive director of the Alliance for Affordable Energy. You have that right. Yes. I am indeed. Um, and the Alliance, as you mentioned, has been involved in this. Um, you know, sometimes it's fun to use the word fight. I would say um, taking a moral stand for the last four years uh, on... Doing the right thing. Well, that that helps, too. That's that, true. That should have been... The, that's what I should have been playing. <laughs> Do the right thing. <laughs> right. I love it. Um, so uh, our local u- electric utility, um, Entergy New Orleans, has been trying to get the approval of the New Orleans City Council and then, of course, a number of other regulatory authorities to build a new gas-fired power plant in New Orleans East. And the Alliance has been on this thing since actually 2015, even before they... um, In in opposition. In opposition, that's right. um, Has been sort of taking a closer look at how the decision was made, um, looking at what other options might have been uh, provided to the city of New Orleans. Can I... Yeah, yeah, can I... I just... Did the Lens report a story, or did I read a story somewhere that said that that the decision had been pre-made? I mean, did I yeah. read that correctly? You sure did. And in fact, that's a major part of the appeal. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure that that was on our radar to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So in fact, I'm going to refer to the appeal hearing date, which is tomorrow at Civil District Court. That's uh, that building that's connected to City Hall uh, right there on Loyola. Um, Judge Piper Griffin is going to be taking up the appeal of this decision uh, to approve this gas plant. And the appeal is not just about, uh, hey, there were actors in the room. It's not directed at Entergy. It's actually directed at the city council. Um, The Alliance, along with Deep South Center for Environmental Justice, um, New Orleans 350, and the Sierra Club all brought suit to the city council saying, you managed this way wrong and uh, you violated due process, you made decisions that were arbitrary and capricious, and one of those issues, or one of the things was, exactly as you say, the decision appears to have been made well before Entergy even filed the application at all. So um, sort of buried inside a decision made up at at FERC, FERC is the Federal Regulatory, uh, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, um, a sort of a large settlement agreement among all of the energy companies um, that's in Mississippi, Arkansas, Texas, and so on, um, and their regulators came to this sort of big global decision about uh, how that the big system would work together in, in the future. 
And in Th- this is the en- energy production system. Enter- yeah, that's right. right. And so that means power plants and transmission systems and so on. W- was this potentially a, we know time is running out, so let's try to put as much stuff out there while the going is basically good before people recognize that renewables is the way to go. I mean, is so, is that a fair way of looking at it? That's actually one of my theories about how this decision got made um, ahead of time and why Entergy has been fighting so bitterly to build this plant and a fleet of other natural gas plants in Louisiana in particular. In the last uh, two and a half years, Entergy New Orleans and uh, Louisiana together have gotten the go-ahead to build four new natural gas power plants. And so what that is, is exactly as you're saying, um, you know, we see what's coming down the pipe. We all see it. We yeah. know that our, these systems are changing dramatically. And Entergy knows then that they're going to have to also build out things like wind and solar and energy efficiency. And in the meantime, it's, as you say, that last gasp, that let's get this stuff in the ground so that we've got that locked in and we know that everybody's going to be paying for it. We'll get our tidy profit on top and then we'll go build all the stuff anybody wants anyway. <laughs> And so that has been a major concern of ours, that that the city council in their deliberations of this didn't look closely enough, didn't hold Entergy accountable to look at the alternatives that would have been more cost effective, better for our health, and certainly have sent a, sent a better message about what New Orleans is and what we rec- uh, the risk that we recognize we're in right here on the Gulf Coast. Um, and, and, you know, that we should be leaders, uh, in, in the area. And, and when you also just t- also take a step back and look at the, do we, we have seven or nine, I always forget the number city count. It's seven, seven. right? Seven. Seven. That all seven of them uh, belong to the democratic party. And when you yeah. look at the national party, part of the national party's platform is to move, yeah, is to move toward renewables. So even from that, that perspective, they're, they're not even in lockstep. And this like. I mean, I'm gonna put this as blunt as I can. This feels just like a money grab by well, Entergy. Yes, it feels like a pure yes. like I don't see any real good argument for this. That this is technology that's old before they even start the project. That's gonna cost hundreds of millions of dollars. That all the ratepayers, which read y'all, ratepayers means you. Yeah. Whether you own your house, whether you rent, rent your house, rent. whether whatever. You pay an energy bill. You pay for the energy you use. And your bill is going to go up regardless of your usage because energy is building a several hundred million dollar power plant that we don't need, A. B, that is already old technology before they even start building it. And C, I can only see the benefit here being that like you said, there's going to be profit made from this when it's done that we've all paid for whilst not seeing any sort of betterment of our service. And it is, frankly, I'm, I'm, I will... And I'm going to say I'm going to say this because I'm meant to say this later is I encourage and I'm like begging any any of our city council members to come speak specifically about this issue with us because I am I am I'm I cannot find any reason to approve this. I can't find any reason to. I'm I'm talking about reason if, if your job as a city council is the regulatory body of the utility company. I cannot find a logical reason as a regulatory body for you to approve what is a naked money grab by this utility company and to be honest i don't even really blame energy for this because because <laughs> like because i think the thing that like we always forget is like we live in a capitalist society now whether or not like whether or not i personally agree with capitalism in the way that we do in an american context 
Like this is a capitalist society, and so like Entergy and their people are doing their jobs. Right. Their jobs is to make as many profits. Maximize profits. Is to maximize That's profits right. for the for the stakeholder for the shareholders, yeah, the shareholders of Entergy's like parent company. That's mm-hmm. their job. That's what they get paid for, and it is the job of the city council to regulate their behavior in ways such that their that company behaves and provides service to the city of New Orleans in a way that's fair to the ratepayers and taxpayers of New Orleans. And the city council has frankly not done its job. So and Entergy has done its job in trying to get as many profits as possible. Yeah. Now it's a whole nother conversation that utilities should be privatized at all, but we, we can <laughs> get there. All right. So look, why, why is it that there, and I know that that's what tomorrow's going to be about. To a right. Large why is it that why the city are, council made this decision? Pre, why would they yeah, say? Yeah. I mean, not why would they say like, I mean, what, I mean, obviously th- there's, there's, there's a reason why. I mean, I don't know if it's being paid. I mean, like, I love, I think there was the comment of, has anyone been paid off by Entergy? And everyone was quick to say no until that we found out that each one of them had actually been individually in one entity or another, not right. necessarily That's for right. this, right. but they have received money uh, from yeah. Entergy. So why is it that, uh, you know, and of course I know that you're speaking on behalf of the Alliance for Affordable Energy, but, and, and so to, why are they not, why are they protecting Entergy and not protecting us? So I'm I'm not going to uh, make specific allegations about any specific person. Of course. But I am going to pull back here and say Entergy New Orleans is, or Entergy writ large, corporate. Let us not forget that it is the city's only Fortune 500 company. They certainly don't let us forget it. Uh, let us not forget the kind of impact they have politically. Um let us not forget that whether you are a, um, <laughs> no matter where you live or work in New Orleans, you know that there is some organization that you come in contact with that gets piles of dollars to support, you know, whatever it is that, whether it's your church or your nonprofit, you know, all, there's this big machine that by, is by energy that energy is provides. Entergy. Yeah, right. And it is a company town. This is a town that is, in a lot of ways, just has hitched its wagon to this corporation. And it's really unfortunate that it appears that you can't get very far if you're just telling Entergy no. And it appears that whether you're, again, you're a nonprofit and you are, you know, taking money as a, as a contractor or at... We've got a city council member who did that. Um, if you went from city hall as a, uh, a member of a staff for a council member and then went to work for Entergy and then came back as a city council member, there's that connection. It, I mean, there are just so many ways. It's insidious. And I think it's just really hard for folks to say, now I'm going to be a regulator and I'm going to stand up to this, this entity and I'm going to hope for a further political career. I'm not saying any specific individual has said that to themselves, but I think it's really hard to put yourself in a position of saying, if I do this, I'm pretty sure that this utility is going to come out hard against me in any future race that I have. And then tomorrow, and that's the issue. Money we are left right with a judge. Yeah, I mean, like that, that's. I mean, that I, is the. I, I haven't like I haven't like. And it's influence, yeah. right? It's not just about money. It's about influence, which yeah. is which is what that leaning on 
um, nonprofit organizations, which frankly, there are plenty who think that this is actually a, a huge legal problem, that Entergy is asking, leaning on nonprofits that they've provided funds to and to asking them letters. to lobby. Right. I mean, right. I mean, I mean, something that we, we had Susan when we first talked about this, we had Susan, um, the GM, the, the general manager of WBOK, right, on yeah. where Entergy literally pulled the funding that they had donated the to WBOK right. because they had had someone on air. They were having conversations to to, like this. To have a conversation about they this. were having conversations like the, this one. Like that is, we don't get any money by Entergy, right? Um, well, and that, I wouldn't even take your money. That's powerful, and that is yeah. influence. That's right? exactly right. That's why I would not take Entergy's money for that reason exactly because. I don't want to be beholden right. to, to money. And this is what happens when you have a monopoly. It's got mono <laughs> yeah. in the name. Right. What it yeah. means one. You have a monopoly. This is where actually capitalism, here's the one side of capitalism that I actually <laughs> say works. When you have competition. More, comp, it's competition. the only yeah. that is the only way it works. And you know what's crazy is that the people who come out in support of the entities who benefit the most from monopoly situations, right? The the uh, the elected leaders, especially in Louisiana, who come out most strongly for Entergy, for Clico, for Swepco, are the ones who are big Tea Party libertarian types who are like. All I always like to talk about free markets and always like and I'm like wait, I, yeah. my brain yeah. is trying to free, turn yeah. itself yeah. inside out uh, understanding how you're you're reconciling one with the other yeah. because this as you say this is the one way now let me tell you something that happened last week that puts New Orleanians in a much better position the city council um, changed a, a rule and has created a rule that will allow what's called community solar. Community solar will allow people who, and businesses and individuals, and nonprofits for that matter, um, to buy into solar installations that they build. That So if you are a renter and you can't put solar on your rooftop, you can buy into community solar. If you are a church and you've got a big parking lot, you can do that and you can have your parishioners or anybody who wants to buy into this thing and everybody reduce their energy bills. This is the first time that people are really going to have an opportunity to make a choice now. It's not a full choice because you still it still has to kind of run through energy, but it's the first time that people are really being able to, or that I would say the majority of the city will have an opportunity to make those kinds of choices and to to say to the count, you know, say to energy, I don't want your shenanigans anymore. So I, I I definitely want to talk about the legal cases, but while we're talking about solar, real quickly, why is it? I I understand that energy is blocking it, but why is it that we are not able? to do more solar. I mean, we have a place across the street that's got solar panels, yeah. but I go to Tibet and I see solar panels everywhere. I go to California or wherever and I see much more in the form. Why are we... I think you know the answer to that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I, I said it in the question. I think we but, all know the answer to the question. But yeah. and how do, we bl how, do we, how do we remove that stranglehold? Well, one of the interesting sort of situations that we're in here in Louisiana is that our rates per kilowatt hour are actually quite low. That's why I'm trying really hard to shift the conversation from calling us rate payers to bill payers. Mm -hmm. um, no, I've never met a person who pays a rate, but I sure ha as heck know a lot of people who pay crazy bills that they can't handle. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, We've got this situation where, because of rates, there's a weird disincentive for um, for solar rooftop for most people to have access to it. It's it's somewhat expensive still. 
But as soon as we start to to find ways, creative ways, to use our money um, to lift up people in a more equitable way, which is why this community solar thing is so important, because it will provide that opportunity for renters and for people who don't have the upfront capital, right, to be a part of something and move it forward faster than if we just had to go rooftop by rooftop. Um, I think, not I think, I know <laughs> that Entergy in particular, a- across all of the Entergy states, has been pushing really hard to kill residential rooftop solar um, because, precisely because, it has given so many people a way out of their kind of stranglehold, if you will. But I think what's really unfortunate is that you might have seen some commercials recently with Entergy talking about um, this hundred homes that they're putting uh, solar on low-income families' homes. Have you heard about this? No. No. Okay. So they're doing this big TV commercial blitz about it right now. And it looks like a great idea that Entergy is going to, for free, put solar on 100 homes for low-income customers. And Sounds they like w- they're going to try to make it right. Well, what's the catch? <laughs> so, right. So here's the problem. The, the only bill reduction that these customers are going to get out of having solar on your rooftop is a $30 payment on your $30 reduction on your bill every month. This is quite the opposite from having the solar on your rooftop that then actually reduces, goes to your bill, that the kilowatt hours that are generated are on your side of the meter so that you get to use those kilowatt hours. Mm. You get to use the sunlight. You get Mm. to reduce your bill as a result. This is actually quite the opposite is is it that the 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 energy is being directly to the the grid so that energy can sell it to everybody right (laughs) so basically it's like here's a 30 dollar like rebate for like helping us we're gonna lease your roof for 30 dollars yeah basically and we're gonna we're gonna make a we're gonna spin it like it's a great ad campaign that we're doing something great right well at the same time all we're really doing is we're just finding cheaper ways because it's free energy for them yeah essentially and they're gonna be able to then they get to sell it right and the thing that's sort of that's not just sort of but that is very frustrating is that make it right (laughs) we will all be paying for that solar that goes on all those rooftops. Because, yeah, they're going to charge us for installing That's right. that. Right. Yep. We're also, of course, going to be paying for the lease, uh-huh. right? But because Entergy used like a special sort of clause in their franchise, they don't have to tell us right now how much they're spending on that. And they have no incentive to keep the costs low. Yeah. Which is the other thing that bothers me about the, the power plant idea. I mean, I don't have to explain this to you, but that, that's, I think, one of the more nefarious parts is what I want to use and egregious parts of the power plant idea is that what incentive does energy have to finish this power plant a anywhere near on time Mm -hmm. and b anywhere near the estimated cost it's all free money for that there's no incentive they they can they can they can make it cost a billion dollars and take 15 years if they feel like it and then be like, by the way, New Orleans, everyone's bill goes up a hundred bucks. I don't know, it ran over. <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you. That is absolutely true. Now, the city council, when they went ahead and fined Entergy five million dollars for bringing in actors to undermine the you know, public process, they did for the first time Which, tell. I'm Entergy, sorry, I hate to interrupt you, but like, we should have said no based on that alone. Based uh, on that alone, based, right? Like, this should have been a hard no. Based on, once the moment that that story broke, yep. that these people literally. Bust in. You want to? I find it fascinating that all of the conjecture about George Soros and the leftists <laughs> and the like, busted and like paid protesters. 
Here's a like a hard right company that literally bust in paid protesters. Yeah, actors who have IMDb actors pages. to astroturf a public a, a public uh, a public process. This th- we have a concrete Dude, example it, of that. The, this should have been a no simply because they did that. Right, but yeah. only let's just be very clear though. But the decision was predetermined, so That's all right. it really was was when they found out. It wasn't like, oh my, they were actors. They were like, it's more like, oh my, the, how, yeah. They, how they are were, we gonna? They, yeah, how are we? How are we gonna they, perform they, this they, anger? Right, right, right. Oh my, we, they got found out. There's. You don't think that they knew that those were paid actors? I mean, it was like a whole well, which, thing. Which, which, which everyone, everyone, knew. Every, everyone knew. Everyone knew in that room. I remember knew. talking to everybody who said there was something not right. It was yeah. people that don't typically show up, and they were all wearing the same shirts. It was so obvious, yeah. right? Yeah. And it took you know somebody who's a friend of the show who comes on pretty regularly, Daniel Faust, that helped kind of break that story. Yeah. You know that Noel.com was able to come down and make it obvious, and it and everybody knew, but it wasn't until it was publicized. Journal were doing their job which was to hold the power accountable the powerful accountable and then all of a sudden now they had to do something about it and you're right based on that alone, alone. but the, it's been predetermined they are going to do this you can get folks from new orleans east who in vietnamese speak passionately about how we don't want this to happen and you hear these voices and i don't understand what they're saying I don't listen to the translation because I don't need to because I could hear the the pain. Yeah, Yeah. you can feel what they are saying, right? And just, you know, just deaf, it fell on deaf ears because it was predetermined. predetermined. All of this that we're doing right now, it's just was part of the plan. They knew there was going to be outrage and they had to manage the outrage and somebody thought, well, let's put actors in there because it'll make it seem like we're doing the right we'll thing. It. Yeah, yeah, you know, we'll and and, and I think that, and I, did they count on a case coming in like what you guys are doing? I mean, you guys are... If it wasn't for what you're doing, Logan and I could say this, and I and I'm certainly don't feel like I'm exaggerating, but the work that you're doing is you are helping to save. You are literally trying to do the right thing here and with affordable the Alliance for Affordable Energy. So We're doing our best, and we're not just doing it alone. And I think that's something that this yes, council has seen 350, so powerfully in the last two years is that you know, for years and years, the Alliance was the only, like there yes, were two of us in the room right. paying attention during utility committee meetings. And now you get hundreds. Now you get people who know that the council is the one that's making the decision. Now that, now you know how these decisions get made. You've got a great big magnifying glass on this now. And this is how you get you get motion, right? This is how you change things, is by educating, is by in- including the communities who are most affected and including them in how, you know, the decision, like, what is your priority, yeah. right? What what do you want as a city, New Orleanians? Do and, you want... And it's hard to hear folks, and when I say folks, I'm talking about elected officials, talk about equity hmm. and talk about hmm. a, a, a city of yes and all of this. And here we are having yet another environmental risk being put in what we would call like a borderline community or marginalized community. Mm-hmm. And because, again, at the point that we made when you sat here last year and talked to this is like, we're not talking about building, building a plant in the Garden District or in Old Metairie <laughs> or in any, let's put it Lake frankly, yeah. we're not talking about putting this energy, this power plant anywhere near any community where there are a representative amount of folks who have the sort of political and financial capital to influence elections, and that is very telling. I imagine not a single person that has a decision-making power 
on this would put their house or their child anywhere near this plant. And of course, this takes us back to the story. Because of like the, former- the question I have for anyone that voted for this and for anyone that's saying it's fine, it's fine, it's safe is like, would you buy a house right by the new plant? Right. Would you be willing to go buy a home that's right right next to the new plant? And if not, why? Mm-hmm. Why why wouldn't you buy a plant over there? Can I tell the story real quickly? Because we're really quickly running out of time. But of Rex Tillerson. Oh yeah, Secretary um, of State. I, I, you, so we talked we talked about it um, when we brought this back up um, a couple of months ago. But mm-hmm. you weren't here, and I'm sure you know the story. Where uh, for folks who don't know who Rex Tillerson was, mm-hmm. he is our now former Secretary of State. Um, under the Trump administration, who before he was in the Trump administration, he was the CEO of Exxon Mobil. Um, and one of the things that ExxonMobil has sort of been getting hammered on for the last like, 10 or so years is fracking, which is like an idea of like digging in the ground um, to find oil. And it has all of these like awful environmental effects on groundwater, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the science is like pretty undeniable on it. And they have sort of been for years spending all this money to one, quiet the science on it and make the science go away and to just like sort of like grease the wheels of the of the politicians and all the places they're trying to do it to allow themselves to do it because it's a cheap way for them to find oil regardless of like the environmental impact. Here the irony of this whole story is that Rex Taylorson lives in a small town in Texas, Texas that a rival company then um, got a, a contract through his local city council to frack in the town did, in the community he lives in. Story? And he no. actually led he the led. resistance against fracking happening in after like he tests like you can find you can can google and find a (laughs) you can google and find rex tillerson sitting in front of like a congressional like test and testifying in front of the congress talking about how fracking is safe and then he literally led a like resistance against fracking in his own town that he grew yeah. yeah. and he, he was actually didn't want to light his and his he was water on and fire. he was right, actually and he was actually the lead he plaintiff the lead. in a case yes. against the company that and was going won. to be fracking in they his won. town uh, and they won and they stopped the fracking. They stopped the fracking. The, <laughs> the irony, the irony of this <laughs> is is just like. All right, let's go back to let's it's, let's it's go absurd. back to Logan. Anyway, so what's happening tomorrow? So, so can so, the, can the judge. Is this a done deal? Like, is this plant, power plant going to be done no matter what? Um, n- not entirely. So there are two, uh, we've got two lawsuits going right now that the Alliance is a part of. One is this appeal where this judge, depending on, we, we brought up, I think, something like 10 different issues where either laws were violated or, you know, that, that this judge could make a decision to overturn the decision and do various things. So the remedy that we're hoping happens is she hears this case um, she asks real questions of of our attorneys and you know and of course the the council's attorneys, um, and then she decides that the process was. Oh, so this is against flawed. the council. This That's is not right. right. Not against That's Entergy. Right. Again, so the, this is the council. So this is the council. So the the council in, in and does it matter if it's this council or last last session's council? Does that even make a difference or no? Because okay. we're it's suing the. The, the, the council as an entity. Got that's it. Right. Okay. And the, is there a discovery? Like, are we able to look to see? I mean, has that been publicized to see what communications happened between Entergy and the council? Um, so we did not conduct discovery in this case. This it wasn't that kind of a a case. Okay. Um, it's more an administrative. Like, here are the the process violations that were. Got it. Okay, yeah. I see. So, yeah. so what what can come out of so what can come out of this is that the judge could say, "All right, based on these deep violations, Entergy or, or City Council, you are required to 
void your approval and of basically do the whole process over again that's right okay. meaning reopen it and consider the alternatives which is frankly the thing that we've been fighting for from the from the very beginning sure right that that even and one of the main issues was the council asked Entergy just a couple of months after they filed for their this application hey show us what the alternatives are and Entergy changed the 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 list of things that the council asked for and gave them different answers meaning they didn't answer the question they didn't follow the direction of their their regulator but and they got away with it was it show us you know like more or was it like show us well what's interesting is they gave they sent energy a a very clear list it was i it was like a, a um what do you call it like a table and these are the the way the things that we want you to model and energy altered that table and modeled something else entirely and so that that right there is the problem, right? Yeah, right. So that's one of the, the procedural problems that Entergy was allowed to get away with not following its own orders, right? right. The council's orders. So so this judge could could turn it around and say, you got to go back to the drawing board. The other lawsuit, which is against the Department of Environmental Quality, is could also turn it upside down and and void the council's approval. Actually, it would void the air permit, which would halt the thing. And at the Department of Environmental Quality, um, basically they also stepped all over their own rules, which um, to get an air permit, if you already have an air permit, you want to change it, which is what Entergy did because there was an old power plant in that neighborhood. Um, they had to to ha meet certain deadlines for the data that would um, for emissions and and the various things related to the, the plant, and Entergy didn't meet those deadlines. And the DEQ, we told the DEQ, we're watching, and if you give them this permit, despite the fact that they didn't follow your rules, that means you won't be following your rules, and we're gonna come for you. And they did it anyway. And this is a federal entity? No, this is the Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality. Okay. And so we're suing them, and we've got a hearing in May for that. So do we know, I mean, it seems like the, the council has been somewhat compromised uh, so due to previous payments. Do we know what, about the judge at all? Do we have any information about how, how she ruled in the past? Do we have a previous history? Uh, I mean, it, yeah. you know, I, I hate for you to do one of these things where I you kind of, but what are your thoughts on? You know, um, what I know is I have heard that she is a fair judge. What I also know is that she is an elected judge in a state that, you know, moves money around. I also know that there, I don't know this, there is, uh, um, sort of an understanding that she has more interest in a, a furthering her pol political career, right? And so I know that whether it shows up on the, um, you know, the, what is it, the, the ethics website for the, the state of Louisiana, we know that money moves around, right? And so I am concerned. I'm not saying that I know right. this woman to be Right, a, I, you hear know, you. Corrupt. I hear you, I hear you. I just am saying we have to recognize that that is a concern. If 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 the if the if you win tomorrow, or if if, if it felt falls in favor of what we collectively mm -hmm. here would want, can they appeal or or, or is yes? And the other way around, we can appeal it as well. And it would go to the Louisiana Supreme Court, right? That's right. Yeah. Got it. We got to wrap. Up. Um, so thank you so much, Logan, for coming on. Um, Logan Burke is the um, executive director of the Alliance for Affordable Energy. As we said when we started this segment with with Logan, um, we're actually in the midst of doing a series of interviews with 
with members of our local government. We started with with Mayor Cantrell. We had Jason Williams um, be our guest at, at um, Movement Mondays, and we're reaching out to other council members. We would love for anyone from the council to come talk about this specific issue and to like explain the side and their logic behind it. Um, because like, I mean, that's part of why we do this show is to, is to have these conversations. And for any anyone on city council who wants to come talk about this, please come join us. Um, we're going to go out on um, what we were talking about earlier with um, Jenny Yanez. Um, and we're going to leave you guys today with the words of the prime minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, showing us all what leadership actually looks like. Logan, uh, thank you so much. Sorry, <laughs> Logan, uh, Logan Burke, uh, also uh, executive director of the Alliance for Affordable Energy and also the host of NOLA Matters uh, on Tuesdays at five o'clock, uh, the People's Power Hour. Thank you so much. We appreciate thank you. it. See you next week, everyone. Mark Parody coming straight up. Keep it up. Right now, just as much as me, 